Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline. We're recording today on St. Patrick's Day, although looks like none of us are really sporting any green today. We got Dodger Blue on. The Dodgers just wrapped up another spring training game, taking down the Chicago White Sox once again. Pretty general show today. We're just covering the news and notes of what's been going down over the past week, and hopefully we have some exciting guests on the show lined up pretty soon. So how's it going, David Rosenthal? Going good, Kevin. Uh, Dodgers are rolling. Kenley Jansen looked great. Bueller looked good. Bauer looked good yesterday. Gavin Lux is still rolling. Uh, so it looks like the Dodgers are, are taking shape here, and we should be able to uh, see the opening day roster pretty shortly. I think it's I think it's taking shape, and I think it's all but done, uh, but we can get into that a little bit later. Absolutely. We will be touching upon how this opening day roster will shape up in just a few minutes. Jake Reiner, how's your week been going? What's standing out to you? Uh, it's been going well, Kevin. Uh, it's good to be here again. Uh, we know that we're getting that much closer to opening day when we see the ugly green jerseys out today. Uh, the Dodgers uh, kept with their with their normal blues and the White Sox kept with their normal black. But we saw, we saw some green jerseys across Major League Baseball, certainly sporting the green hats and the green socks. Anyway, enough green talk. Um, I, I'm excited because, uh, yeah, this roster has taken shape. Uh, Corey Seager is just uh, unbelievable. He looks healthier than ever. And all I can say is just, let's just, like David says, let's put him in like a, a glass safe case or put him in a safe space so that nothing bad happens between now and opening day. Agreed. That almost happened the other day. A line drive base hit went off his arm, but thankfully Seager didn't get hurt. So no surprise here, but it's still very relevant news. Dave Roberts has announced the opening day starter for the Dodgers, and it's none other than Clayton Kershaw, who will be making his ninth opening day start, which would have actually occurred a year ago, but he had to be scratched last second with his back. Um, What really stands out to me, lifetime for Kershaw over those opening day starts, he's got a 5-1 record with a 105 ERA. But it's going to be tougher this time because he's starting it off at Coors Field. 
Yeah, I really thought that uh, the Dennis Santana was going to be in the running. No, um, it, it was always going to be Kershaw, and I, I'm I'm glad that that they uh, you know made the right decision because it's not about who your ace is. Typically, that's what it is. Is is our teams will name their opening day starter, and it you know goes hand in hand with who their best overall starting pitcher is. But Clayton Kershaw obviously has earned this spot. And the Dodgers have a number of aces on their staff. Kershaw's one of them, but he's not the only one. But he's the one that deserves this spot more than anybody else. And uh, yeah, couldn't be happier for him. It's nice to see 22 get the opening day nod again. Uh, we haven't seen him on opening day for the past two years. Uh, two years ago, I think he was injured as well. We saw Hunjin Ryu. And last year, obviously, Dustin May uh, came in last second. Uh, pitched very well against the Giants, I may add. But uh, yeah, it's, he's a future hall of famer. Dodgers going to retire 22 when he retires. Uh, and this is how it should be. Uh, he's a legend, a champion. And regardless of, you know, if Bauer or Bueller is going to have a better year, uh, it's more ceremonial, the opening day starter, and he absolutely deserves it. No question. Another thing involving Clayton Kershaw was he just made a start against the Milwaukee Brewers. And from the best of my knowledge, this was probably the worst spring trading outing I've ever seen by Clayton Kershaw. They roughed him up for eight hits, including five runs. He gave up back-to-back home runs to open up the game to Colton Wong and Luis Urias. He was able to make approximately 73 pitches, went four innings, but yeah, the five runs, it was not a good start for Clayton Kershaw. Uh, What was your guys' takeaways other than, you know, the obvious it's spring training? I didn't have any. It's irrelevant to me. He's, uh, I don't know how many years he's been in the bigs now at this point. I don't know, 12 at some point. Uh, he's, a, he's a consummate pro. He'll adjust. If anything, you might as well get this out of the way now. He did have a base hit, I will add, as now pitchers are going to hit this year. So that's the, my takeaway is he's ready uh, at the dish. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't put too much, uh, too much thought into being worried about Clayton Kershaw. When you look at spring training, there are a lot of players out there that you – are going to be paying attention to because based on what they do in spring training will dictate if they make the roster or what role they will be in once opening day comes around. But regardless, Kershaw is going to be the opening day starter. Nobody has to worry about that. And yeah, you know, just like David said, it's a spring training game and maybe he was working on something or trying something else out. We do know that uh, he likes to pump in those first pitch strikes, uh, fastballs uh, and uh, the Brewers just, you know, we're ready for that and jumped all over it. So it's, you know, it's something that he needs to take note of and, and, and maybe, you know, not start every hitter off with a fastball down the middle. He's been doing yeah, that for way too long. I, I understand he wants to get ahead and I understand who am I to talk to a hall of fame pitcher to tell him what to do, but he should be mixing it up on, on the first pitch. Uh, Cause hitters have been, you know, catching on for a while now. And that was evident in this last start. I would like to see right. the velocity get up maybe one or two miles an hour. I think he was around 89, 90, maybe 91. I would like to see that get to 92, 93. Uh, and then that, the, the slider will be much more effective. Right. Yeah. In 2020, it wasn't so much a big deal, but in 2019, his fat, his first pitch was getting pounced on by a, a number of hitters. I think it was over 300, but we're moving on. I think he looked good overall with the curveball. I'd still like to see him throw it a little bit more rather than those first pitch fastballs that you guys were talking about. But Dave Roberts is beginning to shape up this roster. We had a number of roster cuts announced on Monday, over 28 men. Some of the names that are worth noting, 
Josiah Gray, Kybert Ruiz, Alex Vesia, and Ryan Pepio. Yeah, that's that's the weird thing when when they say that they you know they cut them. Uh, you know, the first reaction is, oh, they're not on the Dodgers anymore. No, it's it's not really like that. It's just they kind of send them metaphorically down to the alternate site, but they oh, the can bring them back at, at any point, as we saw the, the Pepio pitch today. Uh, so it's it's more so just to you know hone in the roster a little bit, get the uh, starters and and opening day roster possibilities more playing time, but they're always available to just come back in whenever. I would like to touch on uh, just Josiah Gray a little bit. And I think, you know, going into the spring, the three of us talked about him potentially being, you know, a guy in the mix possibly at some point uh, for, for a starting position uh, during the season. Um, And maybe, maybe even a bullpen spot, but he, it was one of those positions where he needed to perform in spring and he, he just didn't. Um, He, he pitched three innings, uh, gave up three earned runs. So that's a nine ERA. Uh, two walks and two home runs. He just didn't look sharp. And I think what we're seeing with a, with a couple of these guys is that not having minor league baseball last year really hurt them. And even though that they were on that alternate site and they were getting reps in, it's just not the same as being in a game and competing against the guy that's really trying to hurt you. Um, so yeah, it's a little, a little, a little disappointing to, uh, for, for his spring. Um, but I have no you know doubts that he'll, he'll make it back up to the bigs this season at some point. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Nelson wasn't on the list for roster cuts, which means he might still be in consideration and he's really deserved it because he's looked phenomenal thus far in his last outing. I know he struck out three men. He went two innings. We'll see if he can get up to three or four innings, maybe as this spring comes to a finish, but I definitely am curious to see if he is that 40th man to make the roster. I think Nelson's going to be on there. I really do. Um, I think there's two, two bullpen spots still up for grabs. I think Dennis Santana, Garrett Clevenger, and Jimmy Nelson are competing for two spots, in my opinion. Um, Nelson's done everything right. Santana's done everything right. And Clevenger's done everything right. So it's going to be basically what they want to do. I don't know if they're going to start Dustin May on the alternate site. It's looking like that's a possibility. He's been good. The curveball's been good, but he hasn't you know, wowed any, anybody yet. He'll get there. But I think it's a, a very, very possible scenario where they start Dustin May in the, the alternate site, bring up Santana, Clevenger, and Nelson, along with Tony Gonsolin in the pen, who's been lights out as well. A lot of long relievers. Yeah, uh, and I think they're, they're going to get ready to you know, deploy Gonsolin in a one-inning situation. I think they're working towards that. He can be a seventh, eighth-inning guy you know, on Trident off days, on Jansen off days. There's, we haven't seen Grotter all yet. He's not healthy. So I think Tony Gonsolin is going to be primed for, for that kind of role. And I think we'll see Nelson and Santana possibly doing the same thing. And all of those guys can go more than one inning. So I think this Dodgers bullpen is going to be extremely versatile, dynamic, and you're, never, you're, you're not going to have a very consistent uh, looks. And that's going to that's gonna stymie some teams. I think they're going to be confused out there. We actually got an update on Gratterall today, a couple hours ago. He threw a 25-pitch bullpen session, and Roberts said he looked really good. Obviously, he still needs to be out there for spring training, so at this point, I would consider rolling him off the opening day roster, but I guess you never know. And then Scott Alexander is probably the other guy competing with Clevenger for that second lefty option if they decide to make David Price a starter. You know, we saw Alexander just pitch to, uh, today on the St. Patrick's Day, didn't give up any runs. He looked okay, I guess. But Roberts also mentioned that Alexander, I don't know what he's seeing in him, but he said he's looked really good this spring. Yeah, I, 
Alexander is the biggest tease. It's it's like every time you think like, oh, like, you know, he'll get back on track or he'll, you know, he's shown consistency. Um, He'll, he'll disappoint you at some point. So hopefully that's not the case uh, at this point. Um, And he can continue to have the, have the success that the Dodgers think he's capable of. But if not, Clevenger is a, you know, easy, easy go-to after that. Yeah, I think he'll contribute for sure at some point this season. I don't know what, what we can do with Alexander at this point. You know, I've, I've been, I've given him my confidence many times. I, I, every time he's out there, I'm like, okay, this is the outing where he's going to, he's going to show up. And sadly, we just haven't seen it like basically at all. I mean, he's had stretches over the years of, you know, consistent, not domination, but consistent success. Uh, but this spring has been rough for Scott Alexander. That's somewhat continued today. And I think they're, you know, they're basically at their wits end. You know, Dave Roberts is going to give the traditional, yeah, he looked good. He's working on some things. Looks great post-game comments. But I think this is Clevenger's job. Yeah, David mentioned Tony Gonsolin, and it just looks like he's taking his game to the next level this spring. He mentioned how hard he's been working this offseason, and the results are paying off. He has a .17 whip, giving up no runs. And he's one of two pitchers that have stood out to Dave Roberts when he said the guys that have impressed him the most, one of them being Gonsolin, the other Dennis Santana, who has given up no runs as well. And he has a .25 whip. So both these guys have just been on, and I would consider them close to locks at this point for opening day. I'm excited to see what Santana is going to bring to this team, and maybe he is able to ride it out the entire season in that bullpen. But uh, do you guys have any other thoughts on those guys or any other pitchers in general? Um, I mean, Jansen. I mean, do we want to talk about yeah, Jansen right yeah, now? Yeah, that's where I was going too. Let's do it. Kenley Jansen has been lights out this spring. And it's not just, you know, him pitching well. He's actually dominating in, in spring training. And just read you some numbers real quick. So he struck out the side today in the fifth versus the White Sox. Um, he struck out nine of the 16 batters he's faced this spring. No runs, hasn't given up any runs, hasn't done the old right. Kenley Jansen of come in, walk a guy, or you know, hit a batter with two strikes. We haven't seen that. The command is there. I wish that we got to see on a more consistent basis what the uh, what his velocity is. Um, but other than that, I think he he looks as yeah. as good as as you'd expect him to look. I heard on ESPN radio that they said it was 92-93 in this most recent outing. That's good for him. Yeah, no, that's that's huge for him. I think velocity matters a lot for Kenley Jansen specifically. Uh, you know, if you if the cutter's not, you know, zipping, they basically can have more time to adjust to it. And I, I think his quotes after today were, were very insightful into his mindset right now. He didn't go home to Curacao in the offseason. He said he's never worked harder in the offseason. Uh, and he's trying to do everything he can to win back the fans and show that he's the closer of old. And it is a contract year for Kenley Jansen. So it's not just you know, morale and, and legacy at stake. It's his next contract and his, his, you know, his life uh, going forward in terms of a payday. So I think we're going to see everything he's got. Who kn- we're going to find out in the regular season what he's truly got left, but he's going to leave it all out there. And so far it's, it's been electric. I think it's nine K's in five innings, five appearances, no runs, maybe one or two hits. Yep. I don't know if he has a walk, uh, but He's been, he looks great. You know, what's sad to me is the fact that he feels like he needs to quote unquote, win back the fans. Like to me, it's like, 
what what are we doing as Dodgers fans? We're, we're not we're not Yankees fans. We don't boo our own players. Like this is this is craziness. And if you look at what has happened to Kenley Jansen, th- there was there there were times <laughs> in recent history where he was the only guy we had in the bullpen. And he and and we relied on him heavily. And and whether it was Mattingly or Roberts, I mean, they really relied on him way too heavily. And it may have burned him out to the point where it got to game two of the 2017 World Series. And that was just when we first started to see the cracks in the armor. And I just feel badly for, for Kenny Jansen because he's gotten a lot of, uh, you know, hate from a lot of people. And I think we need to look at the, at the bigger picture and what he's done over the course of his career. And also look at the, the managers and the positions that they put him in. Completely Maybe. agree. And we were talking about this last night, the three of us, how we were revisiting that uh, that one NLDS against the Nationals uh, where Kenley came, I think, came in in the sixth or the seventh, got all the way to the ninth through 51 pitches, and then Kershaw came in and, and shut the door. So this dude's he's given everything to the organization and to the city. Uh, sometimes it hasn't worked out. Uh, obviously, in the World Series, it didn't work out. He made a couple bad pitches, and they lost the game. But I agree. I mean, Mattingly put him in horrible situations. Roberts has put him in bad situations. And sometimes he just hasn't made his pitches. Uh, but in terms of Dodgers, he's one of the greats. He really is. Yeah, two things. He also said today after his awesome outing, he said it hurt that he couldn't be on the mound to close out the World Series win. And he acknowledged that going to Urias was the right move, but still Jansen was bummed out. He couldn't be the one. And then the second thing is maybe Jansen listens to this podcast where a certain somebody said we can't use Jansen in any high leverage situations anymore. Well, I, I that's stand, been true. I stand true by that. Points. Yeah, stand by that. That that's the that's the whole part. That's the whole point that I've been making for this entire time is like use Jansen for what he is. Don't use him for what he isn't. And so yeah, I bet you he agrees with the fact that Julio Urias deserved to be on the mound nobody yeah, he can has touch eyes. him he has eyes too nobody like could touch Urias and and Roberts to his credit left him in there and I remember sitting on the couch watching it screaming at the tv like please leave Urias in there you just have to know what you have and you have to know when to use these guys same with Kershaw you don't bring him out of the bullpen anymore you don't put him in those spots you don't leave him out there to die like those are things that you have to realize with these guys. And that doesn't, that's not knocking these players. That's just realizing that they're getting up there in age and maybe they can't do the same things that they used to do in 2015 or 2016. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. And that you, that has been true. You can't, you couldn't use him in high leverage situations in the past. He, he, sometimes he's been bad and that's okay to say, you can still respect what he's done overall, credit him for his success and also criticize him and say, this is not what he can do anymore. Can that change? Absolutely. It looks like so far in spring training that that has changed and he has reverted back to the pre 2017 world series game two version of Kenley Jansen. Uh, but the, the key here is Dave Roberts needs to be malleable. He can't just say, yep, the ninth inning is yours, Kenley. Let's see how it goes. He needs to be able to work around, see what's going on, feel what the players have, feel what the pitchers have, and make changes. And that's exactly what he did in the playoffs. And if he keeps that up, they'll be fine. And Jansen will be fine in whatever role he uses, as long as Roberts recognizes what he's getting from Jansen at the time. 
Edwin Rios continues to struggle this spring training. And I think he had a lot of promise for this upcoming season. I think people are expecting him to start some more games at first and third, but he's not seizing the opportunity. He is now down to a 100 spring training batting average. He went 0 for 3 in his last game with three strikeouts. Unfortunately for Rios, I think he's played himself off the opening day roster. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I think Beatty has taken the job. I think the team wants Rios to have the job, but in terms of production in the spring and overall eye test, I mean, you got to go with Beatty if, if you're basing it off of spring and not just, you know, saying, oh, Rios will come around. So, yeah, I think Beatty, I think the three final bench spots, uh, obviously you're going to have Barnes. I think you're going to have uh, obviously Taylor. And I think the three other spots are going to be Zach McKinstry, Matt Beatty, and Sheldon Noisy, who's played well, right-handed hitter, and can play somewhat all around the infield. I think when you look at Beatty versus Rios this spring, you got to look at at-bat at, at bat quality. And Matt Beatty just looks like he's having way better at-bats, not just based on the numbers that he had. I mean, going into Wednesday, he was hitting 292, three RBIs, three walks, and a double. But just watching him with the eye test, you're looking at him and he just looks locked in. He's grinding out these at-bats. He's working the count. And when you watch Rios up there, you know, he's, he's flailing at a lot of pitches. He's not having long at-bats. It doesn't look like he's in Rick Monday even said it. It, it looks like he's not fully locked in. And if you are basing your decision, if Roberts and Friedman and the rest of them are basing their decisions off of what they've done in spring and how they look, I don't know how you how you not choose Matt Beatty over Rios at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Beatty is seizing the opportunity himself. He looks locked in, like you guys said, and even playing some good outfield. So I think you got to go with Beatty at this point. And then, yeah, Sheldon Noisy was the other guy who I agree with with David. He looks like he's poised to make the roster as well as that right-handed bat off the bench. I know DJ Peters looked good to start the spring, but he's been tailing off. I know Matt Davidson's still in the conversation, but he doesn't seem as consistent. He has that one home run, but that was game one. Noisy continues to make contact. I know he didn't convert his last couple RISP opportunities, but he's still batting around 300. And then, of course, Gavin Lux also continues to have a great spring, batting around 400. He drew two walks today. I don't know what how Roberts is going to shape out this opening day lineup because right now Lux and Taylor are looking great while Paula continues to struggle. So that's another one we should talk about. Yeah, I I think if, if I'm if I'm putting this opening day lineup together, I'm putting Lux at second and I'm putting Taylor in the outfield. Yeah, and and Pollock is Pollock just again similar with Rios. Just he just doesn't look you know locked in and. Even today, he he skied a ball to the he popped it up. Uh, Giolito jammed him, and he popped it up. And you don't typically see a lot of emotion from Pollock, but he looked visibly frustrated after after popping the ball up. And you can just tell that that he just isn't in a good rhythm right now. He looks bad. There's no there's no way to sugarcoat it. He looks bad. He's three for twenty seven in spring, five strikeouts, zero extra base hits. Uh, he doesn't look good at the plate. Uh, the, the at-bats are just not there. Uh, obviously, he's going to be on the opening day roster. They're paying him that contract. He's going to be on the team. He's a right-handed hitter, which is, I think, his saving grace, that and his contract. Uh, but at this point, 
yeah, if you're putting your best lineup out there, it's Taylor and Lux and Pollock's going to be on the bench. Hopefully, you know, during the season or, or maybe later during spring, he catches on, but this is not pretty so far. Yeah. It's we'll see what happens there, but I'm just really happy for Gavin Lux. He's another guy who mentioned how much work he's put in this off season. He caught, he got a bad break in 2020 just threw him completely for completely threw him off. But I well, think- I just, I want to say just real quick about Lux. It just goes to show you what a good spring training will do for you. Last year, we were all thinking that Lux was going to be the starting second baseman. And he, and he played himself off the roster in spring training, not only with his bat, but with his defense. And this spring, he's not only hitting the ball well, but he's playing good defense. He played shortstop today. So that tells you that they, they see him moving over to shortstop and maybe spelling Corey Seager uh, when they need to give him a breather. So I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. It looks good. He looks great. He looks like a different guy out there. You know, you, you see his highlights in, in the minors and AAA, and he just looks like the best player on the field. He looks like the, the captain on the varsity team who's, you know, carrying the squad. And last year, uh, when he was with the big league club for a short stint, he looked like the, the JV kid who was just promoted and kind of scared and didn't know what to do and didn't know how to act around these varsity guys. And now back to this year, he looks like he belongs again. He's playing with confidence. He looks like he's having fun out there. The at-bat quality is, is phenomenal. We haven't quite seen the power that we've seen from him in the past, but that doesn't matter. Look at the Dodgers lineup. You don't need him to hit 20 home runs. You need him to get on base, and that's exactly what he's doing. I believe he has 10 hits so far. Uh, I think he's 10 for 25, yeah, with uh, four RBIs, two walks, only five strikeouts. So this kid looks great. It's great to see him happy and confident out there because that's the key for him. The talent has always been there, but I think his confidence level dictates his performance. Are there any other hitters you guys wanted to bring up? Because I feel like we're all kind of on the same page now with how the opening day roster is shaping up to be. I mean, you want to talk about Bellinger? Yes. Glad you brought him up. Have him written down. Cody Bellinger made his spring training debut for the Dodgers on Tuesday afternoon. He was going to play Wednesday. It didn't happen. He started in center field. Defensively, he looked fine. Offensively, he went 0 for 3. All his outs were ground outs to the um, to the first baseman, essentially. Didn't get very far. You know, after the game, he said his shoulder feels really good. But the one thing that people are talking about is he changed his batting stance once again. Yeah, I don't know about that. It just seems it, it seemed like if it wasn't broken, don't fix it. And he seems to be tinkering with it a lot. And again, I'm, you know, I'm not a, you know, an expert or, or an MVP. At, you know, I'm not a hitting expert here, but it just seems like when you are just trying to do a little bit too much with your, your batting stance, you, you know, you lose something at the plate. Whereas it, whereas Justin Turner, they changed a couple of things in his swing and his batting stance and it turned him into a superstar. Um, but I just think that once, you know, whatever he did in 2019, he's just got to do that. I mean, as, as, you know, as simple as it is in terms of his approach and his batting stance, I think he's got to look at that tape. See, I'm going to, I'm in the minority here where I like the change. One, and I'll tell you why last year, we saw Cody Bellinger getting beat by the inside pitch quite a bit. Everybody knew pound him inside. That's the only area he couldn't really hit. And that's what pitchers did. And it worked this year. As of yesterday, we saw he's opened up his stance a little bit. His front foot is, you know, 
more open to the to closer to first base, which allows you to get your hands extended into the inside part of the zone. So I like this for Cody Bellinger. I do. Obviously it's going to take some time probably to adjust, but I think this is a direct adjustment to getting pounded inside and not being able to come around, bring the hands through the zone to hit the inside pitch. So I I'm, in, I'm a huge in favor of this uh, in the past his, his stance adjustments haven't really had a purpose, but I think this is a direct result of him not being able to get through on that inside pitch and opening up your stance will allow you to do that. So I'm looking forward to see what Cody Bellinger can do with this. Yeah. I, I think only time will tell with him as he recovers from his shoulder injury. I think we just got to, you know, give him a little bit of time to, to, to adjust uh, to the, to the timing of everything, but a couple of the swings that he took, he took some healthy cuts and one, one swing was in the first at bat. Rick Monday pointed it out where he did a full Cody Bellinger full swing with the torque and like twisting around and, you saw his, uh, his numbers, <laughs> the, the pitcher could see his numbers as he twisted around. So that was encouraging because it means that, that he trusts his shoulder. And the other comment that he had a couple of weeks ago, which was he wasn't going to be on the opening day roster or be in the opening day lineup if he couldn't play the outfield. And he played the outfield fine the other day. And he said his shoulder felt, felt good. So all of these things are encouraging. Yeah, I mean, I think his batting stance got better as last season progressed. I think by the end of the second half in the postseason, he looked perfectly fine and the inside pitches didn't really wreck him. And I think he actually said there was a purpose from the 2019 to 2020 change. It was that in the second half of that 19 season, he just kind of tailed off and wasn't happy with his approach. So he just, I don't know. This, this time around, he said no coaches addressed him and he did it himself. So that was kind of interesting to me. Interesting to me. So we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, those legs are really spread apart now. Yeah. And, you know, I think he's, he's tall and big enough to reach the outside pitch, even with an open stance. And I, I think this is just, a, like I said, I think it's a direct result of him being tired of not consistently being able to hit the inside pitch. And I think this is going to do wonders for that. Uh, you know, if you've played baseball a little bit, you know that if your stance is a little bit more open, you have more access to the inside part of the zone. Uh, so the, I'm, I'm super looking forward to see what this new stance can do. For Let's talk about some other random things that are going around the baseball <laughs> world right now. Justin Turner is a fan of the blue alternate jerseys. Where do you guys stand? No, thanks. I like it. I, I think I don't want to get away from... I don't want to become the NBA, for example. Like I, I think that they have too many alternate jerseys and it's very confusing. And I don't like seeing the Lakers purple road jerseys at home. And I don't like seeing their gold jerseys on the road. It's very confusing visually, but I think the, the blue jerseys are really crisp and nice. And if they were to do some sort of like Sunday home game or Sunday away game with the blue jerseys, I'd be fine with that. But I, I think once in a while, not, you know, not consistently. I'd love the road grays. I actually would prefer for them to have the road grays with the Los Angeles script across the chest, as opposed to the Dodgers that they sometimes have. I think those are the cooler road jerseys. And then the home jerseys are just classic. You can't, can't really change those up. It's not that I don't like the blue jerseys. It's just, we're veering into territory of an expansion team with all these jerseys. I don't want to be the Diamondbacks. I don't want to be the Padres. I don't want to have to change jerseys and color schemes and wear 17 different jerseys like Oregon football. No, we have a classic jersey. Let's keep it 
work in the way it does. We just won a World Series. We don't need to change anything up. Thankfully, they have the names on the back of the jersey because there was a couple years where they took those names oh. off, and that was yeah, that was, that was weird. That was horrendous. Yeah, where where Frank McCourt said the only name that matters is the one on the front of the jersey. Yeah, well, that didn't really matter to him anyway. So yeah, I don't know what he was talking about. So Trevor Bauer's been having those an, parking lots though. <laughs> Bauer's having an excellent spring. He's got a two oh three ERA, thirteen innings pitched, sixteen strikeouts, but he came up in the news once again because Major League Baseball was cracking down on his uniform violations, threatening to fine him if he were to do it again. Where do you guys stand on the Bauer logo that was on his shirt? And I think there was something on his cleats too. Personally, me, I think it's awesome. And MLB is just being sour about this, but whatever. As as David often says, yawn. <laughs> uh, yeah, is- I mean, what are we doing here, guys? Is this, <laughs> is this a really a priority for MLB to like well, find their pitchers? Like, just let them do what they want, man. If... If you remember, they they cracked down on well, they threatened to find Trevor Bauer if he went out on the mound with those free Joe Kelly yep. cleats last year, which I thought was that. Like, I, okay, but that I kind of understand. Like that is a direct shot at MLB. Basically, this is not. This is just a logo that's not MLB. It's not hurting anybody. And I I understand it can open up a can of worms, and then other players are going to want to promote their own thing, and then it's basically a whole media circus of you know promotion so i i hear him out but can we just stop can we just focus on saving the 22 22 season please my point is 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 i i would like less rules i think that major league baseball has too many rules and whatever if if a guy is wearing a jersey that that is of the team that he plays for and as a pitcher isn't violating any of the visual rules, i.e., you know, not wearing anything on their sleeves or anything distracting that, that can make the hitter not recognize where the ball's coming from. I get that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like freedom of speech and, and letting these guys, you know, as they say, let the kids play. I think that, that we just need to ease up on some of this stuff. Miguel Cabrera had some thoughts recently that he wanted to share i guess his manager is aj hinch who we all know was the manager of the houston astros during that 2017 um thing that they did i I don't (laughs) even want to call them world series champions because they're not but he said basically calling the astros 2017 title tainted is bullshit why were they even asking him about? I don't even know what the context was as to what why that came up. Did he bring it up? Did a reporter ask him? I, I don't know. Um, but of course, he's going to say something like that. His manager is AJ Hinch, and I'm sure he's got some friends on on you know on the Astros team that he you know is uh, is wanting to support. I don't know. Whatever. It, there's no way you can look at that title and think and think it isn't tainted. Even the Astros fans know it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a dumb, it's a dumb comment. It's just dumb. Yeah. What did you say that I like to say? Oh yeah, that's right. Yawn. <laughs> Don't care. He's playing for Hinch now. He's got to say that he's a hall of famer, but sorry, Miguel. I don't care what you have to say on the matter. Miguel Cabrera is still chasing some milestones. So we'll see if he can get to that 3000 hits and I believe 500 home runs. He's got to do both of those before his contract is up. Um, other news and notes, Alex Wood, former Dodger, now a San Francisco Giant, is going to undergo an ablation on his spine because he has back soreness. 
So that's unfortunate. I guess we won't be seeing Alex Wood possibly. It's a relatable injury for me. <laughs> won't be seeing him maybe anytime soon. So we'll see how that plays out. Caleb Ferguson is officially ruled out for the season. He had it. That's, that's sad, man. That's just sad. What What's happened to Caleb Ferguson? The fact of when he got injured, he was like dealing. Right. Yeah. He was hoping he could come back maybe in September, but the Dodgers do not want him to throw in a game this season. This is his second Tommy John surgery, which was actually shocking to me. I didn't realize he had one beforehand. So they definitely want to be careful with him. But yeah, it's getting to that time where we're going to close out the show. So if there's anything else you guys want to cover real quick. <laughs> I think you pretty much covered it, Kevin. All right. Is there anything you guys want to promote? Sure. Um, got a new episode of uh, Meeting on the Mound that you guys should check out with Justine Siegel, who is the first, uh, you know, has a lot of firsts. Uh, she was the first uh, female to coach a men's professional baseball team, the first female to throw batting practice to MLB organizations and the first uh, woman to coach for an MLB organization. She, she coached for the uh, Oakland A's instructional league a couple of years ago. It's a really great interview. And um, it's really cool. Cause she's also a consultant for uh, the a league of their own television show, which is being produced by Amazon and so she got, she gives some really cool insight as to uh, what it was like on set and how she basically influenced a number of the different shots to make sure that they looked authentic and taught some, taught some people how to throw a ball, which is cool. Uh, so yeah, go check that out. Meeting on the mound. Um, it's out uh, right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Nice. Very cool. Thursday, the Dodgers will be facing the Arizona Diamondbacks and David Price will be making a start. So keep your eyes out on that. Let's see how many innings he's able to go. Hopefully he can maybe go three because I definitely think he's still in the conversation for the rotation. That's definitely something we want to keep your eye, our eyes out on because that is one of the storylines for the rest of this spring training. And tomorrow, Thursday, will also mark the two-week mark until opening day when the Dodgers face the Rockies. So we got some things lined up. We're going to drop some hot takes and bold predictions. So you guys want to stay tuned for that. But yeah, make sure to subscribe to the episode, The Incline, on wherever you get your favorite podcast. And we'll bring some YouTube content very soon. And you can follow us on Twitter at The Incline Pod. And we just had an awesome article published by the Camarillo Acorn about how this podcast basically started. So you can, you all, I'll have the link below in the description. So you guys should definitely check that out too. But yeah, if you guys have any other last words. Let's go. Let's start this season already. I'm, I'm ready. ready. I'm very ready as well. <laughs> I've been ready, but uh, now I'm now I'm real ready. Let's get these two weeks over with. Yes, us four, Kevin, David, Jake, and Corey Seager. We're all ready <laughs> for this season to start. Yeah, and I'm ready for these exciting guests to come on the pod in the next two weeks. So stay tuned yes. for that. Yeah, awesome. All right, everyone, have a great St. Patrick's Day. Don't go too hard. Have a great weekend as well. Go Dodgers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, 
or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.